for tuning in to 2020 Bible Stories, where we read the unforgettable stories of the Bible with open eyes and clear views. I'm your host and storyteller, me. And I'm Fish, your thought commentator, where I'll be giving, giving my thoughts on the story, or based on the story thus far. Right. Because every story isn't always read in its entirety during that episode because they can't be a bit lengthy, but... We do try to learn something, you know, that might take us a ways away, which is why we call them takeaways. And we encourage you to send us your takeaways too, as well as your thoughts and requests to 2020BibleStories at gmail.com. Let's get it. All right. Now that we've gotten the pleasantries out of the way, let's start today's episode. That's it. Let's get it. Yeah, you said it before you was supposed to, though. It's all right. Let's go. All right. Let's start it. All right. Welcome to season three. First story, Exodus. Most of this will be the Exodus. If you remember Jacob or Israel from the last season, he moved to Egypt with his sons and each of their families. In all, Jacob has 70 descendants, or the Hebrews version reads 77, in Egypt, including Joseph, who was already there. In time, Joseph and all his brothers died, ending that entire generation. But their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so greatly, they became extremely powerful and filled the land. Eventually, a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. So to his people, he was like, the people of Israel outnumber us and they're stronger too. We got to come up with a plan to keep them from growing even more. Because if we don't and a war breaks out, they're going to join our enemies, fight against us and leave the country. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves, appointing brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor, forcing them to build the cities of Pitom and Ramesses, Pitom, I'm sorry, Pitom and Ramesses as supply centers for the king and do all the work in the fields. But the more the Egyptians oppressed the Israelites, the more they multiplied alarming the Egyptians even more. So Pharaoh told the Hebrew midwife Shipra and Pua to watch as the Hebrew women gave birth. If it was a girl, they could let the baby live. But if it was a boy, they was to kill him. But because the midwives feared God, they didn't obey his order and they let the boys live too. So he called for the midwives and asked them, Why did y'all allow the boys to live? And they told him that the Hebrew women ain't like the Egyptian women. They had a baby so quick that we don't got enough time to get to them fast enough. So God was good to the midwives and, and the Israelites as they continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. So the Pharaoh ended up giving this order to the people. Throw every newborn Hebrew boy in the Nile River, but let the girls live. 
Now about this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi, of the, from the tribe of Levi got married. And when the woman, whose name is Josebed, by the way, and the man's name is Amram, because, I'm sorry, became pregnant and they gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby, so she kept him hidden for three months. When she couldn't hide him any longer, she made a basket and waterproofed it. She laid the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister, whose name is Miriam, and I'm saying whose name because the Bible don't say they names in the text, but it do in the study notes. So anyway, his sister, uh, she watched at a distance to see what would happen to them, what was to see what was going to happen to them. And soon thereafter, the Pharaoh's daughter had came to bathe in the river along with her attendants. When the princess saw the basket, she sent her maid to go get it for her. When she opened it, the princess saw the boy crying and felt sorry for him and said, this must be one of the Hebrew children. So Miriam approached the princess and asked her if she would like her to go get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for. And the princess told her, yeah, go do that. So the little girl went and she got their mother. And the princess told her, take the baby home and nurse him for her and I'm going to pay you. So the woman or Josephine went, took the baby home and she nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, she took him back to the princess who adopted him as her own and she named him Moses. For she explained, I lifted him out the water. And Moses sounds like the Hebrew term that means to lift out. So some years had went, uh, went by and Moses was all grown up. And one day he decided to go visit his people, the Hebrews, and see how hard they were being forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating up a Hebrew. And after looking in all directions to make sure wasn't nobody watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid his body in the sand. The next day when Moses went out to visit the people again, he saw two Hebrew men fighting this time. And he went up to the one who started the fight and said, why are you beating up your friend? And the man replied, who are you? Who made you our prince and judge? What you going to do? Kill me like you did that Egyptian yesterday? And Moses was afraid and thought everybody know what I did. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard what happened and he tried to kill Moses. But Moses got up out of there and he fled to live in the land of Midian. When Moses got there, he sat down beside a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters who usually came to draw water for their flocks at the same time at that well. But some other shepherds had came and chased them away. So Moses jumped up and rescued the girls from the shepherds and drew the water for their flocks. When the girls got back to their father, Ruel, he asked, why y'all back so soon? And the girls told him that an Egyptian had saved them from the shepherds and drew their water. So Ruel was like, then where is he? Why y'all leave him there? Invite him to come in and eat with us. And Moses accepted the invite and settled there with them. In time, Ruel gave Moses his daughter Zipporah to be his wife. 
She later gave birth to a son, Moses named Gershom, for he explained, I have been a foreigner in a foreign land. And Gershom sounds like a Hebrew term that means a foreigner there. Now years have passed and so has the king of Egypt, but the Israelites continued to groan under the burden of slavery. They cried out for help and their cry rose up to God. God heard their groaning and remembered his covenant to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel and he knew it was time to act. So one day Moses was tending to his father-in-law Jethro's flocks. Jethro goes by two names, Ruel and Jethro. So from here on out, we were just going to call him Jethro, the priest of Midian. So anyway, he led them out into the wilderness and he ended up coming to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. Moses was staring in amazement because even though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. And to himself, Moses was like, why that bush not burning up? I got to go see this. And when the Lord saw Moses was coming to take a closer look, God called from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses replied, here I am. Don't come any closer. Take your sandals off for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land flowing with milk and honey. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses was like, who am I to appeal for the Pharaoh and lead the people out of and lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested. If I go to the people and say, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they're going to ask me, what is his name? What am I supposed to say? God replied, I am who I am. Say, I am sent you to you. Say, I am sent me to you. Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Now go and call the elders of Israel and tell them Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, has appeared to me. He told me, I have been watching closely and I see how the Egyptians are treating you. I have promised to rescue you from your oppression in Egypt, and I will lead you to the land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. The elders will accept your message, and then you and the elders must go to the king and tell him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. So please let us go take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. 
But I already know the king not going to let you go unless a mighty hand forces him. So I'm going to raise my hand and strike the Egyptians performing all kinds of miracles among them. Then finally he will let you go. And I'll cause the Egyptians to look so favorable on you, they will give you gifts when you go. So don't worry about leaving empty-handed. Every Israelite woman will ask her Egyptian neighbor and the foreigners in their houses for articles of silver and gold and fine linen clothing. You will dress your sons and daughters with these, stripping the Egyptians of their wealth. But Moses protested again. What if they don't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord ain't appear to you? So the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? Moses was like my shepherd's staff. God told him to throw it on the ground. And when he did, it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. But then the Lord told him to grab his tail. And when he did, it turned back into a shepherd's staff. Then the Lord said, now put your hand in your cloak. And Moses put his hand in his cloak. And when he took it out again, it was as white as snow with a severe skin disease. Now put your hand back in your cloak, God told him, and he did. This time when he took his hand out, it was as healthy as the rest of his body. The Lord said to Moses, if they don't believe you and are not convinced by the first miraculous sign, then they will be after the second. And if they still don't believe you after that, then take some water from the Nile River and pour it out on the dry ground. When you do, the water will turn to blood on the ground. But Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm not good with words. I ain't never been. I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me. I get tongue tied and my words get all tangled. You know, like me doing my takeaway segments. <laughs> Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or not speak, hear or not hear, see or not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. But Moses yet again pleaded and said, Lord, please just send somebody else. Then the Lord got angry with Moses and said, all right. What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? He speaks well, and he's on his way to meet you now. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth. I'll be with both of you as you speak, and I will instruct both of you in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people, your mouthpiece, and I will stand in the place, and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. And take that shepherd's staff with you and use it to perform the miraculous signs I have shown you. So Moses went back home and asked Jethro if he could go back to Egypt to see, his, to see if his relatives were still alive. And Jethro told him to go in peace. But before he left Midian, the Lord had said to Moses, return to Egypt for all those who wanted to kill you are dead. So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey and headed back to the land of Egypt, carrying the staff of God. And the, Lord told, and the Lord told Moses, when you get back, go to the Pharaoh and perform all the miracles I have empowered you to do. But I will harden his heart, so he will refuse to let the people go. Then you will tell him, this is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son. 
I command you to let my son go so he can worship me. But since you refuse, I will now kill your firstborn son. On the way to Egypt, at a place where Moses and his family had stopped for the night, the Lord confronted Moses and was about to kill him. But Zippor, his wife, took a flint knife and circumcised her son. She then touched Moses' feet with the foreskin and said, Now you are a bridegroom of blood to me. After that, the Lord left him alone. Side note, the Hebrew word for feet here might refer to penis. And the Bible does not say penis. It says male sex organ. So the bridegroom of blood basically refers to the circumcision. Now the Lord has said to Aaron, go out into the wilderness and meet your brother Moses. So Aaron went and met Moses at the mountain of God where he embraced him. And Moses told Aaron everything the Lord had commanded him to say and all the miraculous signs he told him to do. Then Moses and Aaron returned to Egypt and called all the elders of Israel together. And Aaron told them everything the Lord told Moses. And Moses performed all the, mirac all the miracles as they watched. Then the people of Israel were convinced that the Lord had sent Moses and Aaron. When they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. After their presentation to Israel's leaders, Moses and Aaron went and spoke to Pharaoh. They told him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Let my people go so they can hold a festival in my honor in the wilderness. Is this so, retorted Pharaoh. And who is the Lord? Why should I listen to him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord and I'm not letting Israel go nowhere. But Aaron and Moses persisted. The God of the Hebrews has met with us, so let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness so we can offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. If we don't, he will kill us with the plague or with the sword. But the Pharaoh was like, Moses and Aaron, y'all distracting the people from their tasks. Get back to work. So on that same day, the Pharaoh sent this order to the Egyptian slave drivers and the Israelite foremen. Don't supply the people with straw for making bricks. Make the people get it themselves, but still require the same amount of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota because they lazy. That's why they crying out, let us go offer sacrifices to our God. Load them down with more work. Make them sweat. That'll teach them to listen to lies. So the slave drivers and the foremen went out and told the people what the Pharaoh had said. And the people scattered throughout the land of Egypt in search of straw. Meanwhile, the Egyptian slave drivers continued to push them hard, telling them to keep up their daily quota, brick, their daily brick quota, and whipping the Israelite foremen for not meeting the daily quota two days in a row. So the Israelite foremen had went to the Pharaoh and was like, please don't treat us like this. We're not giving any straw, yet the slave drivers still demand we make bricks and beat us with this. Uh, slave drivers still demand we make bricks and beat us when the people haven't met their daily quota. And it's not our fault. Your own people are to blame. But the Pharaoh shouted, you're lazy, lazy. That's why y'all saying let's go offer sacrifices to the Lord. Now go back to work. No straw will be given to you, but you must still produce the full quota of bricks. The Israelite foremen can see they was in some serious trouble when the Pharaoh told them he wasn't reducing the brick quota. 
So on their way out of the Pharaoh's court, they confronted Moses and Aaron who were waiting outside for them and said, may the Lord, may the Lord judge and punish you for making us stink before Pharaoh and his officials. You have put a sword into their hands and excuse to kill us all. Then Moses went back to the Lord and said, why you bring all this trouble on your own people? And why me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh as your spokesman, he's been even more brutal to your people and you ain't done nothing to rescue them. Then the Lord said to Moses, now you about to see what I'm going to do to Pharaoh. When he feels the force of my strong hand, he's going to let the people go. As a matter of fact, he will force you to leave this land. I am Yahweh, the Lord who appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty. I didn't reveal my name Yahweh to them, but I did reaffirm my covenant with them. Under his terms, I promised to give them the land of Canaan where, where they lived as foreigners. Rest assured that I have heard the people's groans and I am well aware of my covenant with them. So therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression and I will rescue you from slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who has freed you from oppression in Egypt. And I will bring you into the land. I swore to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob as your very own possession. I am the Lord. So Moses told the people of Israel what the Lord told him. But they refused to listen anymore and became too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. Then the Lord told Moses to go back to Pharaoh and demand he let the people leave. But Moses was like, Lord, my own people ain't listening to me anymore. How can I expect for him to? But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, giving them orders for the Israelites and for the Pharaoh, commanding they lead the people out of uh, Egypt. Moses was 80 years old and Aaron was 83 when they were made, when they made their demands to Pharaoh. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Pharaoh would demand you show him a miracle. When he does, tell Aaron, take your staff and throw it on the ground in front of Pharaoh and it will become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did as the Lord commanded them. Aaron threw down the staff and it became a serpent. Then the Pharaoh called for his own wise men and sorcerers, and these Egyptian magicians did the same thing with their magic. But then Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Pharaoh's heart, however, remained hard. He still refused to listen, just as the Lord predicted. Next, the Lord hit him with a series of plagues, starting with the blood. But the magicians were able to use their magic and duplicate the same miracle hard in the Pharaoh's heart. This plague lasted for seven days. Then it was the frogs that covered the land. But again, the magicians was able to duplicate this miracle hardening the Pharaoh's heart. Then the gnats. But the magicians couldn't duplicate this miracle and was like, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh wouldn't listen just as the Lord had predicted. Then the flies came and they threw Egypt into chaos. And I say Egypt because this time the Lord decided to show Pharaoh that he made a clear distinction between his people and the Egyptians by sparing the region of Goshen where the Hebrews lived. Wasn't no flies there. 
So the Pharaoh was like, all right, y'all can go and offer sacrifices, but do it here. Moses was like, nah, because the Egyptians going to stone us if they see us. So Pharaoh hardened his heart and said, well, then no. Then the plague against the livestock, killing only the Egyptians' animals hit, and then the bulls, and then the hailstorm. That again, only that didn't hit Goshen, only of the Egyptians. But this time, Pharaoh admits his sin, and he says, I'm going to let the people go. And because his heart was hard, he refused to let the people go, just as the Lord had predicted. Then the Lord plagued them with locusts that ate up everything the hailstorm didn't destroy. But Moses warned the people about the locusts first. Okay, so after the warning, uh, the Pharaoh officials had came to Pharaoh, the Pharaoh's officials came to Pharaoh and was like, come on, dude, how long is you going to let this man hold us hostage? Let the people go and worship their God. Don't you see the, that Egypt lies in ruins? So Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and asked them who all they planned to take with them. And Moses was like everybody. The Pharaoh retorted, the Lord most certainly will need to be with you if you think I'm going to let you take your little ones. Only the men can go since that's what you requested. And Pharaoh threw them out of the palace. Uh, then, hold on, wait. And I lost my spot. Then the Lord played them with locusts that ate up everything the hailstorm didn't destroy. But Moses warned him about the locusts first. Okay, so after the warning, the Pharaoh's officials came to Pharaoh and was like, Come on, dude. How long are you going to let this man hold us hostage? Let them people go and worship their God. Don't you see Egypt lies in ruins? So Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and asked them who all they planned to take with them. And when Moses said, everybody, the Pharaoh retorted, the Lord most certainly will need to be with you if you think I'm going to let you take your little ones. Only the men can go since that's what you requested. And Pharaoh threw them out of the palace. Then that's when the locusts blew in with the east wind and the Lord, that the Lord had caused. And then the plague of darkness, which lasted for three days, happened. So finally, Pharaoh was like, go and worship the Lord. You can even take your little ones. Believe y'all livestock here. Moses was like, nah, we got to offer sacrifices and we don't know which animals the Lord will choose to sacrifice until we get there. But the Lord hardened the Pharaoh's heart just once more. And Pharaoh was like, I'm warning y'all now. Don't ever come back here again. For the day you see my face again, you will die. Very well, I will never see your face again, Moses replied. I have to go back and mention this because it is pivotal to the story. And I'll tell you why. And the takeaway segment of the show is that after four of the plagues, um, Pharaoh had called for Moses and Aaron and told them to pray to the Lord and ask him to take away the plague that was striking them at the time. So, for example, after the frogs had infested the land and his place uh, and his palace, the Pharaoh's palace, he had summoned Moses and Aaron and begged, plead with the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people. I will let your people go so they can offer sacrifices to the Lord. And the other three were the flies, the hailstorm and the locusts. So Moses told Pharaoh to pick the time and tell him what to pray for and the frogs will be gone except for in the Nile River. The Pharaoh was like, tomorrow. And Moses was like, all right, 
So they left. They pleaded with the Lord, and Moses predict and as Moses predicted, all the frogs died. There were literally heaps of dead frogs, causing a terrible stench to fill the land. After Pharaoh saw that relief had came after Moses and Aaron prayed, he would harden his heart again. So picking back up where we left off, which is you won't ever see my face again. Then the Lord told Moses, I'm going to strike Pharaoh in the land of Egypt with one more blow. After that, he'll let you leave. In fact, he's going to be so eager for you to leave that he will force you all to go. So tell the Israelite men and women to ask their Egyptian neighbors for their articles of silver and gold and find linen now. Now, by this time, the Egyptian officials and people alike looked favorably on the people of Israel, and Moses was considered a very great man in the land. Then Moses announced this to Pharaoh. This is what the Lord says. At midnight tonight, I will pass through the heart of Egypt. All the firstborn sons will die in every family in Egypt, from the oldest of the Pharaoh who sits on his throne to the oldest son of the lowliest servant girl who grinds the flour. Even the firstborn of, firstborn of all the livestock will die. Then a loud wail will rise throughout the land, a wail like no one has heard before or will ever hear again. But among the Israelites, it will be so peaceful that not even a dog will bark. Then, then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between the Egyptians and the Israelites. All the officials of Egypt will run to me and fall to the ground before me, begging, please leave, hurry, and take all your followers with you. Only then will I go. Then burning with anger, Moses left Pharaoh. Because you see, earlier that day, the Lord had told Moses, Pharaoh's not going to listen, and he would do even more mighty miracles in the land of Egypt. So Moses and Aaron performed all these miracles in the presence of the king, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he wouldn't let the Israelites leave the country. We're going to end here at this part of the story today. For today's episode, anyway, in Exodus chapter 11, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with the takeaways. All right, we are back with the takeaways and we're going to start over here with my first takeaway. And um, the new Pharaoh sort of the Israelites as a threat and he made them slaves, which was an ancient practice used by almost all nations to employ conquer people and other captives. The difference here is that the that Israel wasn't conquered. They was just foreigners. Thus they lacked the rights and that's why the Egyptians was able to enslave them. I I mean I did take away a little bit of all of that information from there, but for the most part my takeaway was there was how in the world did two million people become slaves? Like that's why I had to get that little tidbit of information in there right there, because that was the question I had. And if I got my answer was okay, that they was foreigners. They lacked they ain't had no rights here. So that's how I was able to enslave two million people. Just like we were enslaved. We and we still are foreigners. And that's why I said that it makes sense. Cause I know a lot of people be sitting there like, you know, how uh how do we become slaves? 
Like, cause that's I've heard a lot of people say that. Well, if we were kings and queens, and you get what I'm saying, if we was all mm-hmm. these mighty things, how did we become slaves? And how do we? Cause we've been enslaving each other literally since the beginning of time. This is what we've been doing to one another. We just sold some of our us. slaves to yeah to to the, to the to the Europeans. Like it's it's generational. Mm-hmm. Like we've been enslaving each other. Because Egi- the Egyptians were black people. And they were the smartest people. They were the wealthiest people. So my question, I didn't know this off topic, but you made that. So it's like we've been against ourselves all our, we've been fighting against ourselves all our life. Not so much. Like, I don't think we've been fighting against ourselves. It's just that, like they said, if, if my tribe conquered your tribe, Y'all got to work for us now. Y'all got to do the stuff in the fields and all basically is, like. But all, but Egypt is still in Africa. It is, and again, that's why the tribes, like he said, your tribe, your nation wasn't even the biggest. Like, I chose you all. I mean, we haven't gotten there yet. I am skipping the little far, but again, that's just like where I'm going with that, because it's like I said, how did you enslave all these people? Because again, we've been enslaving each other. Like, it's just something we've just been doing, literally from the beginning of time. So, just think about a black-on-black crime that has been going on for centuries. Well, crime has been going on for yeah, centuries. Yeah, but you, if the Egyptians, my thing is, the Egyptians, they're in Africa, the Israelites, we are still the first people. Mm-hmm. And we've still been fighting ourselves and enslaving ourselves. I mean, now there's more, it's more mixed blood because now it's not just... Uh, Egyptians are different colors now, but I'm just saying, if we go back to right here now, it's still black on black crime. You know, now we have a more because of a more systematic thought process, but at the same time, we were the first, first inventors, mathematicians, uh, all that. Mm-hmm. You just come from a different tribe or have a different belief. There you go. Everybody believed in something differently. The Egyptians believed in Baal and all of them. Like, you believe in what you believed in based off of your nation, based off of your heritage, based off of what your people thought. That's what y'all went with. The Jews, we believe in God. That's who we believe in. That's how we operate. So, again, that was just my whole thing that, yes, we've been doing that forever. Uh, my next takeaway, the Egyptians' plans was to wear the Israelites down with crushing labor, forcing them into slavery. But instead, the Hebrews multiplied and grew stronger. For that, I, from that I had took away that even though we might be burdened or mistreated, feeling defeated, our burdens make us stronger. Because now we're driven to pray and developing perseverance in us that we can use in the future. And we can't be overcomers without troubles to overcome. So we just got to stay true to God because even the worst situations can make us better people. Faith. That was my next takeaway because it's like, I mean, that's a dumb plan. If I was, as I was realized, like, that is dumb. Like. Well, not actually, it's called divide and conquer. I mean, I'm just saying, your thought process was that God is going to be so burdened with work that y'all ain't gonna want to have sex. Like that was well, my thought process. Like, is that what that is? 
I mean, if they keeping the men away and the women away, who they gonna have sex with but the Egyptian they people? They ain't keeping them away. They just giving them more work to do, trying to make them crush like you said. Well, you know what? Maybe I need to not go off the Moses the movie, how they just had him working 24-7. Moses <laughs> was working in the movie? They had the people working 24-7 in the movie. I'm talking about... What, what movie are talking about? Don't worry about it. Go ahead. That's but it. I'm just saying Moses was the working... No, no Moses no, wasn't. Moses okay. The other, the, the, uh, the, the slaves. slaves. Okay. Yeah. And that's, again, and as you're stating, 24 hours, because that was his thought process. If I put all this work on them, if I put all this burden on them, time. they don't have enough time. They don't have enough time or energy to want to have sex to keep pro- procreating right. and all that. And that's why I kept saying that's dumb. Have you ever... I can't ask you that, but I'm like... I'm not saying that. Listen, I understand what you're saying, and I get it too, but I get that process of thinking because... But you also got to understand that everybody wasn't from the same place, and they was bringing in more foreigners. I get it, but I'm More just, people were coming in. I'm a, as, as a woman who be with me, I know that don't mean nothing. You could be as tired. They could be as tired as they want to. At the end of the day, they still want to have... They want to do something. Right. I don't care if it's gonna take me three minutes. We are gonna get this in. And you, yeah, you can you can get it in, and you still gonna have the influx of people coming. The foreigners, you know, they gonna keep enslaving them and bringing in new people. Cause I know they're going out and trying to find new people. That's what they did. They went to other places and found new people to conquer. Yeah, well, again, it just made me think of Joseph because that's what happened to Joseph. Joseph was burdened and put in that bad situation and was, you know, traded from his brothers and all mm-hmm. that. But who did he turn out to be? All that turn out to make him literally like the savior of Egypt and saved all these people like you thought this bad situation but it really just made me better mm-hmm. like in the, in the end uh the next one would be the midwives the midwives that didn't obey Pharaoh order they because they knew where they came they, from exactly they knew who to listen and because they, they were women and they obeyed because they knew better well, my takeaway from that was that following authority or the majority ain't always right because God don't expect us to disobey his word. And the <laughs> women knew. They knew that they heard about God. They seen his, they knew. First of all, no, you got to start with who, who he said that to. Let's start there. How do you ask a woman whose job it is to bring life into this world to take life? Exactly. How in the world did you think she that they the were going to go? She to come in contact with me. Along with this plan. Okay, well, that was just my first thing. You asked the, the wrong girl. people. That was my first thing. You asked the wrong people. You don't ask somebody right. whose very job it is to bring life into mm-hmm. this world to take it out of here. That don't make you. You asked the wrong people. That was my first because thing. Because that's who won't suffer. He could have sent his soldiers in there and said, stand over until they had the baby. And if it's a firstborn, a male, kill it. They told, he told the first person that was going to come in contact, so that wouldn't be on his blood. Well, I understand that logic because, yeah, they're there first. So mm-hmm. that, but, again, this is literally my profession. Pro- I could have been anything. Well, this is the profession I chose. I yeah. chose basically to bring life into this and world. And who pays you? The furrow. You get paid from the government. The okay, people. you do, but again, you're not the authority. You're just the majority, which is my second. Because again, they fear the Lord. We don't fear you. I right. don't fear you. Like, I'm not gonna listen to you. 
I'm because going I to know better. Because yeah, yeah. I know better. You don't know, like, that. and that's my thing about how it comes to this. Like, you, again, you can't jaywalking. You can't, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, dumb laws like that and stuff. How, the, the Lord don't tell me I can't jaywalk. You get what I'm saying? Like, that's not a law or something he's concerned about or that he's concerned with. He, But, you go, like, but you can't kill people. But you got people on death row. You get what I'm saying? Like, that's what I'm saying. That makes no... According to y'all laws, y'all can put people on death row. But that's not your decision. You don't get to make that decision. I do. So that's why I'm saying as far as laws. There's half of my stupid because they don't go with God's so He God would never want make a law or tell us to do something again that goes against how he feels. Or mm-hmm. what, he, what he's saying is the correct thing to do. So, yes, death row and all them laws where you can't get water bottles out now and you're just going to be considered All these dumb laws they continuously make that goes against the Lord is, like, irrelevant. And if it's get broken, it get broken, I feel like. Because like, at the end of the day, what are y'all going to do? I don't have to see y'all when I die. I don't have to answer to you. Well, we already know that all the laws in the world have been broken by 2021. So that's <laughs> that is where we are. So it ain't no coming back from that. We yeah. all have sinned except for the ones that are coming. Well, that was basically that it. When somebody tell you to do something that goes against your God, principle, goes against God, God, goes against God rather than that human authority. And mm-hmm. that includes your mother, your daddy, your boss, your husband, your wife, the president, anybody who yourself. If you want to do you, something that you know that is wrong. And goes against God and goes against your principles, something that you know that is not you, shut it down. Uh-huh. It's uh, easier to say than done, trust me. It definitely is. Uh, Moses' mother, she ain't kill her baby. But it, again, it was never she could do to change the law. That was the law. You're supposed to kill it. You got to kill the kids. That was a law. But she was, I'm not getting ready to listen. In other words, ain't no one going to sit here and kill my child. I know my Myself. child's special and all, like, ain't no. So she did the best thing she could think of. And her courageous act put Moses in the house of the Pharaoh. And again, so, here's the thing. He's the Pharaoh. He could have made the people, everybody was pregnant to stay in the castle or send his gods to everybody's house as soon as they born. If they're male, kill them. Why did you ask somebody to do something that you ain't doing? Or that you didn't send the people up to do? Because, again, that's that's all people's MOs. Not, I ain't going to say people's, but people who's smart enough to know that I ain't going to put the blood in my... I want the work done, but I don't want the blood on my hands. I don't want the blood to be put on me, but this, exactly. I need this job done. So, yeah, I'm just going to issue out this law and let you all y'all do it. Because, yeah. yeah, I ain't stupid enough to do it myself. I'm going to let y'all sacrifice and suffer. Because that's what that would have been. Sacrifice and suffer that you had to put your kid to death. Like the same thing that Joseph's brothers tried to do. They were basically coming up with all different ways so that his blood wouldn't be put on our hands. Y'all still did the wrong thing, though. It's the point blank prayer. Y'all still left this man for dead, regardless if y'all are responsible for his blood or not. I mean, you you got a hand in it, so you are responsible. You left him here. So, anyways, yeah, my takeaway from that was when you feel surrounded with evil and it ain't nothing you could do about it, you got to look for ways to act against against it, regardless of how futile or pointless it might seem. I mean, yeah.
Think about it. She ain't know what she was doing was working in God's plane. It don't take much. God don't need much from us to accomplish his plan for our life. Her little simple act of waterproofing that basket put that man in that house, in that palace. She ain't know that that's what was going to happen. She just knew I couldn't kill my baby. Um, something I want to mention is no one is quite sure who the Pharaoh's daughter is. But according to the notes, I might, you know, they think that her name is. <sighs> Come on. Come on. H-A-T-S-H. H-A-T-S-H. E-P. E-P. S-U-T. S-U-T. Hatshepsut. Hatshepsut. Yeah. Hatshepsut. That's what I kept thinking that is. Because it's an Egyptian queen. What kind of with the same kind of spelling? Yeah, and her husband was, I think, Pharaoh Tutmos the second. So apparently, she couldn't have kids, and her husband had had a son with another woman that was already sitting on the throne. So the princess probably considered Moses a gift. Mm-hmm. By adopting him because she couldn't have a son, so that she could have a legal heir to the but throne. But how she gonna have a how how she gonna get him? And he come back already <laughs> big and born, and ain't nobody seen him before. Well, again, cause she adopted him. Like I'm saying, like so they had adoptions back there. Like I'm just gonna pick anything. She adopted. That's what it says. She took the baby back. She adopted him, and she named him Moses. Now, if anything, if anything, that was one thing that I kept thinking. What did they call Moses? Like he didn't have no name until he got with the princess? He was still with his mother, wasn't he? Exactly. The, his mother originally, they gave him away, they came back to her all the way around. Exactly. Where in the movie, he had a name before he's Moses. That's what I'm saying. What was it? I don't know. They ain't just call this baby baby all this time. That's all I was sitting here thinking. What did they call Moses before they took him to the princess? Maybe they called him Moses. They said that she named him Moses well, she when she adopted him. Yeah, but she didn't. But he was floating down the river, so she ain't had a chance to name him. You know what I'm saying? But she brought him back. Is what I'm saying. <coughs> when she brought when the little girl brought him back, when Miriam brought him back. That's what I'm saying. She, this is my son. I'm taking care of my son for somebody else. What am I naming him? What am I calling him? I guess she didn't want to give him no name. I don't know, but... If it ain't in your text, I don't know. <laughs> but next one was, again, that Miriam took the initiative to approach the princess and suggest that they own mother take care of the little boy. Miriam and was the one who ended up reuniting her family. So from that, I took away. Don't let the fear of what might happen cause you to miss out on the opportunity. You gotta be alert and take full advantage of the opportunities that God gives you. She wasn't scared. She wasn't like, oh, I'm just, you know, one of these little Hebrew girls. I can't not talk to the princess. She was like, forget this. I'm going over there to say, hey, you want my mother to take care of that baby for you? <laughs> <laughs> like. She was now, she took her opportunity to reunite her family back. She got her little brother back. That's why I'm just like. She knew it was, 
She knew. She sat there and watched. Oh, okay. She sat there and she watched as her mother put the baby there because she, she wanted to see what would happen. And she saw that the princess and them came, got the baby, and she was like, yeah, you want me to go get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? I'm still trying to figure out how to get past the the prince that we ain't had no baby all this time. Now we got a, a, a midget. Again, she was able to adopt it. Like I said, if according to in these notes, if she couldn't have kids, her finding this baby again was a gift. I can't have kids. I know it and was the a Lord gift, brought me and I a baby. Get it, but who didn't notice that she ain't have a bump in her stomach? They didn't have to notice that because they knew she couldn't have kids. The same way how Rachel was given the way I can't have the kids. So nobody questioned where she got the male child from when they all folks been dead. I guess not. That's a, that was another thing I thought of. But again, by this time you age, heard in the story, they said an Egyptian boy came and saved us. So technically, yeah, he's a Hebrew baby, but I'm guessing they don't know that. Because like an Egyptian came to save us, so they've been saying he's an Egyptian. That's how he grew up. I'm Egyptian. Right? But that means has his clothing tells us that he's Egyptian. I mean, he grew up Egyptian, but he knew. You get but what I'm saying? But he still got the clothes Because he wanted to go back and tell the people that. How did they know he was Egyptian? When he, um, Marjorie called him an Egyptian boy when he wasn't. Because, again, like you said, he, he had to be dressed that right. way. He was raised that way. And he fled. Like, they're coming to get me. I'm still dressed like this. I got to get out of here. So he just fled in his clothes. So they knew who he was based off of how he was dressed. But they don't know that he's really a Hebrew. He knows he's a Hebrew. You get what I'm saying? That's mm-hmm. how he ended up here. Because he wanted to go see his people. So that was another thing I thought. He, I'm guessing he... Who told him? Not he that was... he knew, because again, as they stated, as he got older. So he knew he was raised by his mother all this time. But I guess they have been telling him, you're not staying with me. I'm just, you know, taking care of you temporarily. Once you get big enough, you're going with the woman who you belong to. I guess that's how they've always been. He's, you get what I'm saying? He's always known this. He's not been lost, in other words. He ain't not been like, who is my mother and how most adopted kids are. Like, how they don't know. He knew he was adopted. He was probably was with the mother till he's about six. Hmm. I'm going to come back to that. Okay. Moses thought nobody saw him kill that Egyptian, but it turns out that somebody oh, was. Is always looking. And there you go. So from that, I took away. It's a mistake to think that we can get away with wrongdoing if no one sees us or catches us, because sooner or later our wrongs catch up to us, just as it did Moses. Even if you caught, if you're not caught in this lifetime, if you're not caught in this life, you still gotta face God and His judgment. Moses ran to Midian to escape his punishment, but he trusted God to deliver him instead of fearing the king. So from that I got, it's natural to feel isolated and afraid because of something we have done. But we should never give up because Moses didn't. He trusted God would redeem him no matter how dark his past was. Or, no matter how dark his past was, or how unpromising his future looked. I got that because, again, he didn't know. He he stepped in. I see two people fighting, and naturally, I'm going to kill the Egyptian because the Hebrew's my brother. Yeah, I might have been raised an Egyptian, but 
nah, you can't be out here fighting my people, my brothers. You gotta die. You gotta go. I'm thinking, but that knew. ain't right. Stop it's right him. and wrong and wrong. Just like he stopped the two Hebrews from fighting. It ain't stop him from being who Moses. It didn't stop him from leading these people. It didn't stop him from being chosen. Right. After that, God still chose him to be the leader. Of these people. So that's what I'm saying. You may have killed some. You can literally be that person. Where you have done that. But if he chooses that person. To lead and do his. It, it is what it is. He's been redeemed. He's been forgiven for that. If that's his walk. And he's supposed to walk it. And that was, it that's how walk. he gave it to him. Everybody walk is different. Mm-hmm. God didn't step in to rescue the Israelites until the right time. I just want to know why. What was was this an exercise for Moses or the or the uh, Hebrews that he kept sending him to do these, telling him what to go to him and do, and kept hardening his heart, meaning like uh, he was trying to show them that he make the make sure that they knew that he was. Who he say he was, because every each time that he would tell Moses to go tell the king that Pharaoh something, you know Pharaoh think about him, but then you know they show him the miracle. Then okay, then he hardened his heart. So I'm like he kept he was testing his people. The, the he build. was using him. He had to use him to no. like I, if his heart's not hardened, I can't perform my miracle. I understand. So who was he trying? To, was I mean, well not I'm saying who was he trying to press. But what I mean is, he, he was trying. To, he was showing it showing to everybody. Who he was. Yeah, yeah, to Not the whole world. Not only to them though, but to fair. Okay, we gonna we gonna we gonna get there. We gonna get there. We gonna get there. So again, as I was stating that God didn't step in to rescue them until the right time. So my takeaway from that was that God's timing is perfect. He may not always come the moment we want him to, because. He has the master plan that we can't see. He knows when to step in. He knows when the time is. Again, we don't know. Again, we don't see. So he comes right when he's supposed to. Moses was humbled. He went from a prince living in a king's palace. Well, I'm sure he had everything done from him to being a Midianite shepherd. But God was preparing Moses. For leadership by showing him the ways of the people he was about to be leading and how to survive out in the wilderness. God was God was getting Moses ready to free the people from, from Pharaoh. So that was another reason why that had to happen. You get what I'm saying? Like why he was redeemed from killing that man. He had to kill that man in order to flee. Because now that he's gone and he's fleeing out here into the wilderness, he get ready to learn about the people again who he's about to free. The same way how we get uh, talk about the police and how they need to police their communities. Like you don't need to go into a community that you don't know anything about to police them. Knowing the people that you are about to lead. It's very important because, again, how are you going to lead these people that you know nothing about? You have nothing in common with them. How are you going to communicate with them? That's like I'm trying to sell you something that you can't use. I can, the communication is old. Mm-hmm. 
or writing you a letter. That's like writing my father a letter and sending it to my mother. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? She would be sitting here reading this like, what the? F I don't know what this girl sitting here talking about. Mm -hmm. That's what that is. So he was preparing Moses to, again, you, you got to come out here and lead my people. So you got to be this shepherd. You need to know what it's like. You done went and had everything done for you now, so now you got to do everything for yourself. They did. God spoke to Moses through a burning bush, and when he saw it, he went over to go investigate. So from that, I got God may use unexpected sources when communicating with us, whether it be people throughout thoughts or experiences. We got to be willing to investigate and be open to the surprises. Because, again, you don't know. Yeah. Same way with my business. Plug, plug. I was talking about doing my commercial. I'm about to go ahead and plug it on in here. I wasn't... All the stuff that I've ever talked about doing, starting an event designing business, wasn't never one of them. That right. never came to... That wasn't my thought process. But the Lord brought it to me. And I'm going to use it. Absolutely. Aesthetically meet. Aesthetically meet. Look me up on Instagram. Go to my website. www.aesthetically.com dot com. Same thing on Instagram. But back to God told Moses to take off his sandals and uh, cover his face. And Moses knew he was uh, unworthy to approach God casually. Moses knew he was, like he knew to cover his face. But the Lord told him to take off his sandals. So basically from that I got, you know, that you can't approach God casually. Yeah, he is our friend, but more importantly, more importantly, he is our sovereign Lord. So you got to adjust your attitude when you're approaching the Holy God. The same way I approach my grandmother differently from how I approach my daughter. Like, they two different people. I got it that when you walk into holy in your presence, you walk into your purpose. You got you to gotta know, show respect. That's a short sign of respect. Sincerely, respectfully, yes. To your elders, to whomever. Mm -hmm. I don't care how much money you got or who you are. I don't care how bad they temper or attitude. Respect your elders because you. Respect is should be given to everybody all the time, but. Exactly, like literally. But when you come into the Lord. You should already know what you know. Thank you. You cannot come casually talking to me as if I am not the one who created you. I'm not even... I, first of all, if the bush is burning and it's not moving and it's just burning, I would probably not even go in that direction. I know it's something special. Mm -hmm. now. Just like the bird sitting on my porch. And Moses, again, he was a reactor. He know he was nosy. He mm -hmm. wanted to see... He wanted to cause and effects of why... This bush not doing more than it's supposed to be because he kept questioning God. People fighting, he there. He, Moses he was, Moses was disrespectful. There. Moses was disrespectful. 
Moses was disrespectful. This bush is burning and it's not doing nothing. And you study going closer and then you're going to demand to God telling you what to do. And you're going to keep asking him questions. He, I mean, he Mm -hmm. didn't have questions. He had excuses. He had stalling, beating. What niggas do all the time. He had excuse after excuse. He had excuse after excuse. Yes, BSing. it, but that's what people do when they feel inadequate. When they don't feel like they capable of doing something. And yes, that is true. But if it's, it's different when you know the Lord gave you. When you know the Lord is telling you. You know this bush is burning and it's not moving. It's not catching to the other bush. It's, not, it's just burning with a voice coming at you. You're going to be like, yeah, God, okay, let me write this. But else you I got to go and free the people. I yes, that's when you know that you. he was disrespectful. If he was respectful, he would have respected God and would have fed him and would have did everything he said up the top. And I'm not going to keep questioning you. I hear what you're saying, but again, when you don't feel that you're capable of doing something that he's assigning you to do, you're going to come up with excuse after excuse That's after excuse. Now, I'm just talking about the, the, I'm one of the, in the Bible, in the text that we're talking about right now. That's what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is, it doesn't, if he, I am who I say I am, and you still ask him, but listen, wait, 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 God, because I want to make sure that, you know, because I don't want to get my head chopped off, so if I go and tell this man, the blah, 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 what's the, oh, okay, <coughs> so you gonna, I'm going to do this and this and that, okay, God, but wait. But again, no. he said again, no, I'm tongue-tied. You know how I speak. Like, you're telling me to go talk this to this man. man and I the Lord my just told gift. you that I'm with you every step of the way. And I'm giving you instruction. I got, I got a I stick that's going to turn into a stick. That. And you still talking? Yes. You still question? You still going for me? Coming for me? Excuse me. You coming for God. You was disrespectful. But he was, though. He was inadequate. He wasn't equipped to do the we job. Are, and that's what made, and we all, we all. Inadequate. Oh, yeah. But we're not gonna feel inadequate come. when you telling me that this bush is burning and it's telling me what to do, and you know it's about the grace. Yes, God. I'm gonna. Can you repeat? Can you spell what that is? Again? Okay. One. But the takeaway <coughs> from that is just what you said—that He is with us, and He is not going to tell us to do something that He is not going to give us the resources to do it with. So, yes, alone, we are inadequate. But with God mm-hmm. and all the resources he allots us, we can get the job done. But he might not even allot you resources. If he put this in your head and tell you to push a button and move, go do it. Especially if you're And I know that I'm the one that didn't have not done it. And I've seen a lot of things that I've spoken manifest. That's because I was just like Moses. I had it. Well, stolen exactly because you again you hiding behind your inadequacies, you exactly. hiding behind what you're not capable of, you hide behind knew? your limited thing. But you gotta yes, look sir. beyond that, you gotta look beyond yourself, and you gotta look to others for the resources to allow us exactly to use our unique contributions to what they provide. Yes, so again, the same way how. When I put my spread out and my tablescape looks good, when the food again goes along with it and there's nice food, that's the collaboration again. What food? What do you mean? The what you what you call yourself that day? 
When you said I gotta think of a name. Oh, I don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know either. Mm-hmm. Yes, again, alone, I cannot do it. I can't come up with the, the decorations and the food. The food ain't my thing. You get what I'm saying? Again, that's what I'm saying. You can come up with the food, but you don't do the decorations. So, again, that's what my point is. So, you, we can't come up with the excuses as to why you can't do something when he gives us all the resources to do the task he assigns us to do. So, you can't be disrespectful as you keep saying Keep coming with excuse after excuse as to why you cannot do something. He directly talking to you. He's directly talking to you. I know he's not. Let me take it back. Sometimes we might not know when he's directly talking in this form in this right here out out coming out of the text. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Sometimes if you if you in tune to God, you'll know that this is what He's telling you to do to move. And he can give you so many chances, and then when something ha- bad happens, you're like, "Oh my God!" But you look back and say, "He took me through this, this, and this, and this is why this happened." Mm-hmm. So I wasn't listening. I wasn't paying attention. Mm-hmm. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. So when you do listen and pay attention, just like you, you done did baby first birthday, baby shop. You done did everybody stuff. And okay, well, all right. What happens nice? All right. Well, my on and you was doing on a humble, on a quick, on a fly. I mean, no, you had your babies, your kids stuff you had planned out. Mine, mm-hmm. you did on a fly. My sisters, you did on a fly. But at the same token, you you moving <coughs> in your purpose, <coughs> just like with the podcast. You, you I'm read this. I'm gonna, oh now I'm gonna get okay. I'm gonna find out how to do this. You got a whole Bible sitting in front of you with the you know etch and sketch, <laughs> and you moving in your purpose. You changed a lot, you know what I'm saying? I'm gonna give you a little kudos of that. I see the change in you. So he's moving. He's he's you listening to what he's saying. So he's moving your steps mm-hmm. because you putting yourself you to a degree in his path and putting yourself out the way. Me, I'm still in my way. I'm standing in my own way because I don't know whether it's him guiding me or is it myself guiding myself. In my mind, mm-hmm. so that's what I'm saying. I know that you, you know, he speaks to you, but you don't know. For me, which one? Who's speaking? What is it? The fifty twenty fourth thing that I want to do, or the twenty sixth thing that I want to do? Then which one is he gonna speak to me on? You, you've done, you figured it, you picked it out, you know. And kudos to you. So with Moses, if I knew that God, if I'm Moses, and I'm telling you, if me, if God is talking, if a bush. Just if the bird that sat on my porch in two degree weather would have started talking, I would have got down and worshipped the bird because it had to be you. Well, you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just like when I was got hit by the tractor trailer. And I was like, you know, I was just like, we was riding on 95 and all of a I'm looking at headlights, like, holding my arm up on the wall. I was like, God, I don't want my friends to die like this. Show me what. I knew he was talking to me then. Mm-hmm. I knew he was talking directly to me for the instructions that he gave me to save my friends because I mean probably because I didn't uh say I I don't want to die like this. I'm thinking it's because I thought of my friends before I thought of myself. You know what I'm saying? I put somebody before me for whatever reason I felt him speaking directly to me. 
So I knew that he was with me that day when he put me down from on top of the tractor trailer instead of all of us being crushed up under it. Mm -hmm. That was the direct. You feel what I'm saying? So that's why I feel like if it's direct, you know, he knew it was coming directly from the man. Uh, from the man. <laughs> Which is why he wanted to know what I'm supposed to tell the people. What I'm supposed to say when the people ask. I guess what the, you talking about? I guess in the now mind, if, if, you know, you can't have the now mind for that. <laughs> but in my now mind, I'm like, yes, he said it. Yeah. This is what he said. Now, okay, he gonna do it. Okay, who said? That's like it? you going into the go go and, and you start something. You got your men's behind you. But again, that's why he's saying I can't go saying he he he. Who is he? It don't matter. He is who he is. Well, that's why he was being step outside defiant halfway and combative and coming up with the who is this and he answered I am who I am I am sent and that you exactly, tell him that I again, am sent you but he was describing his eternal power let God come to me and tell me so, that the bush burning he, he started talking to me and you listen hey <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling everybody you know the bush was burning I couldn't get my phone oh, not to take a picture but God said this, you got to do this thing. Come on, y'all better go. I got to go tell everybody. I don't even care. Mm-hmm. Well. The bush or the bird, one or the other. Whichever start talking first. I, I, again, in our 2021 Oof. nail minds, yes. That's how we would be thinking. But again, if this is back when the world was first beginning and things was first happening, who am I supposed to say? You still should have obeyed. But the burning bush sent me. The takeaway is I am was telling his eternal power of who he is and his unchanging character, which of course is the age old takeaway that God never changes. I am a burning bush. Find security and stability in God who does and will not ever change. In a world where values, morals, laws change constantly. Yes, constantly. And in Hebrews 13 and 8 it says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, and Yahweh is derived from the Hebrew yeah. word I am. I am who I say I am. So trust and believe. I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. Exactly. That's why if the bush is burning, I'm going to say whatever he tells me to do. If the bird talked to me that day on the porch and said something to me, I would have been right there at the bird. But since he didn't, I just slid on up the side of the porch and went on in the house and looked at him. Well, just as you said, though, him seeing all of that and experiencing all of that was his evidence. So when he went to go tell the people and give them, Mm -hmm. you know, to get them to be convinced. He has too many questions. I got, but I can convince with all of this that just happened. I have just spoken to a bush that is burning. My shepherd stick just turned into a snake yes. in my hand just and turned I took the snake and it back turned to a stick. and with yes. the back into man, a stick man stop playing you know we could get a stick and turn the snake and then take the tail and snap it back man we everything <laughs> we is everything 
That's how they the same way the Moses got the stick. With a severe the skin disease, and now it's just I got eczema, and when he cleared up, and I put it back in my pocket, he cleared it up. I'm gone. I'm running. I'm not gonna keep asking him. After the skin disease, I would have left with the tail. Everybody, oh, I be back. Oh, I'm sorry, God. See, like I gotta go. What else you told me to tell him? Write it down. Let me write it down. Well, one of the most convincing ways to tell people about the Lord is to describe what you have seen and exactly. heard the Lord do for you, your friends, your exactly. relatives, and the people in this Bible. Did you think that that bird would have spoke to me on the front porch and I wouldn't have called you that night like, mate, the bird talked to me Lord have mercy. Just like I was waiting for the eclipse. Mm-hmm. Yes, you sure was. So from that I took away that when you want to describe God to other people, describe what he has done for you. Amen. Okay. Um, God told Moses the leaders of Israel would accept his message and the leaders of Egypt would reject his message. He already knew what both reactions would be before they happened because God is all-knowing. So from that I got, you can trust God with your future because he already knows what's going to happen. Of course he does. He made it. God made sure the Hebrews didn't leave empty-handed before they left Egypt, which is, I'm sure, at the time Moses thought was impossible because right before he says, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? Moses was reluctant and scared because he was in his head building up events of what could go wrong. And I just said that. Becoming anxious exactly. and overwhelmed. He was too busy thinking about how other people... He just sat down and thought about his 24th people, thing off the 26th thing that he got to do. He was too busy again, worried about how other people might respond to him and what they think. So from that I took away, the Lord don't ask us to go places where he ain't going to provide the means and the help. Again, so trust God to go where he leads you. Knowing that he's going to supply you with what you need at that moment. Like that gold and the silver that he told them that they was going to leave with. You got to be courageous and confident. Another takeaway for me was God using Moses' plain old stick to do those miraculous things. Something he curried with every day. So basically from that is, again, God uses your everyday resources. God uses your everyday skills to put his plans into motion. Something he curried with him every day to help him walk. And basically, as you know, I think as that little shepherd said, you know, the guy, the sheep, and kill snakes and little mice, and you know, they use it every day. Basically, little stuff like that he used to guide uh, Moses and to teach Moses that God takes joy in using ordinary things for extraordinary purposes. It's just like, yeah, easy to assume that you don't got no special skills that God can use. But those little everyday contributions can be put to use. Like, again, if you write real good, if you draw real good, if you clean real good. Like, people feel like that's not like a Beyonce talent, a Denzel talent, that ain't an Oprah talent. Again, they just use their talents for that purpose. 
because this is the talent he gave me they use their purpose you have to use yours again yours might be cleaning if you can clean real good that's your purpose go start your cleaning business people don't like to clean especially white people they have these little mexican people around here all the time if you draw real good go color I don't know what else to say outside. I mean, again, go be an artist. Go steal your stuff. Put your stuff up on Instagram, Facebook. Anything you do, it's going to take time. Start you some classes. Teach other people yeah, how to get You just got to be able to find your niche. I ain't found mine yet, so it's going to take a minute. I, to find your niche in the world and have at it. Just like you come across, you've done that several, just like I have. You've done several different things, but this is where you are right now. And you, you know what I'm saying? So you created I done a several different things because I was I was leading my path. That's why I wasn't doing things correctly. Cause I was just saying, oh, I'm good at math. Let me go to school for accounting. Oh, a medical assistant is popping right now. Let me go ahead and try to be a medical assistant. Exactly. And again, I was doing things my own way, as opposed to again using my gifts right to serve exactly. my purpose. Exactly. So I don't know how you put. You know, she found hers. Your gifts, you know, what you know, your you gifts have to are. Get yours and your figure it out. food, your t- friends. Again, that's why I keep saying you need to go ahead and start that YouTube, get your camera. Because everybody will sit and listen to you talk. You meet people everywhere you go. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> In the backyard, go ahead. <laughs> uh, when God told Moses to, uh, put his hand in his cloak and it came out with the skin disease which I believe was a form of leprosy which at the time had no cure showed Moses that God indeed has all power and could cause and cure any disease and was now authorizing Moses to exercise that same power to lead the Hebrews out of Egypt but Moses kept pleading with God yet again, asking God, just send somebody else to show him Moses was, I mean, you know, meaning Moses was focused on his weakness again. He wasn't, he was focused on that stuttering, basically. <laughs> Moses was known for stuttering, and that's all he was focused on. I can't go out here and talk knowing I stutter like this. And because he felt he stuttered, he wasn't going to make a good spokesman for God. How am I to go out here and preach God's word if I stutter? But God wasn't focused on Moses stuttering or his weakness. The Lord saw that he just needed a little help. And who better to help him than God? God was going to tell him what to say. God was going to tell him what to do. You already know how I feel about that one. You know what I'm saying? He didn't. And again, these are the excuses that Moses is giving. And I get it. We all stutter. If we stutter getting, not stutter speaking, not saying stutter and speaking wise, but stutter like in decision making and uh, the thought pattern and just different things we do in in this here, the here now. In this life, we all stutter out the gate. We stutter doing this. We stutter when we should be going and walking in. Our, I know this is what I can do when I know. And confidence. Mm hmm. But no, you know who 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 decides who speaks and hears and sees? Is it not I? 
Exactly. But again, he finally just was like, okay, I'm going to let Ern go ahead and talk for you. Because you, you, you trying me. Yes, you. You, you trying me. You've you been trying right me now. since the gate. Uh huh. Your so, mind is allowing you to try me. I'm just gonna go ahead, yes. and I'm gonna let your brother talk for you. You tried it. So, which adds to the point of again trusting God when He gonna give you that help. He sent Aaron. Come on, Aaron, because at this point I'm gonna ready to slap him. Right. So let I'm me go slap him now. Yes. He wrestled with the other man, but I'm about to slap you uh-huh. down. <laughs> <laughs> and the other man had to be on. The other man Jacob. had to be holy. If you're going to wrestle with God. Uh-huh. Jacob, who is now Israel. Yes. You re- Yeah, don't try it. It ain't going to be nothing. There ain't nothing that's going to try it. Uh-huh. Well, my takeaway from here is that you got to be willing to let God help. Yeah. And so, figure out when it's him and not you. The best thing you can do is, I guess, trust. address your inadequacies. That's the best or thing you can do. Or just put your trust in it and just go for and it like you did. there you go and trust that, yeah, that those feelings, you're going to be, and until, basically, until you deal with those inadequacies, it's going to keep slapping you in the face, in other words. It's going to keep coming and you're going to keep having to deal with it until until you deal with it. It's just going to keep coming. So Moses clung so tight to his uh, staff because he needed that assurance, basically, that the Lord was with him. That's why the Lord reminded him, take that staff with you before you go. Don't forget that staff when you get up there talking to them with all that stuttering and all that that you got going on. You need, you know you need that security. So in long run, that security for us is this Bible. On all these stories that we read and, and everything that we getting from this. This is our reassurance. The same way he was with Moses and Jacob and Abraham and Isaac. He gonna be with all of us. Stepping out on faith. Mm-hmm. Moses also was about to be killed by God because he yes. had to circumcise his son. He did what happened? He didn't circumcise his son. So that's why he was about to kill Moses? That's why he was about to kill Moses. That's why it says that you are now a bride's groom of blood to me. Let's go back. Okay. Did he know he was supposed to do that to his son? I don't know if he knew that because, again, you know he was raised Egyptian. Like, he knew he was a Hebrew, but he was raised Egyptian. So he was... In my thought process, because his mother had him and all that, she already circumcised him. You get what I'm saying? Like, they already circumcised him. So Moses? He, yeah. Okay. So Moses didn't have to go through that because Moses was already circumcised. However, Moses wasn't raised with them to know I need to circumcise my son. What I'm asking is, is that how it, cause how it just all came about in the text. Oh, God was about to kill him until the wife, until the wife said, oh, I'm cut and then... Did he know? He was, so if he didn't know, how why would God kill him? Well, again, know? that's why it says that eventually, because like you just sat here and said, Moses is disrespectful in a sense. He keeps going back and forth. Right. As basically, so he the, the Lord find... approached him and said again about your son basically needs to be circumcised. Said, that's why they said. I'm just saying, oh. this is my thought process. I don't know what they said. Oh. 
my thought process is he approached him about the fact that yes your son is not circumcised he needs to be circumcised Zippor heard all of this and she hears what is going on so let me take the daggone flint knife and circumcise my son because he ain't about to do it so and then, I, this is my question what, what so why god didn't want him to have any extra well skin? That's what is another what is 10 minutes to when you get you a wife, you get you a good thing. Because she ain't got time for this. I got to get this done because she going to kill you. He's, the Lord is about to kill you right now. For something she you, will not. For, he, and he, he is telling you. He is literally sitting so here telling you right that's now. So he, one minute he was supposed to go do these things. Now the Lord about to kill him. And they might have had a secret conversation the about Lord you going to do it or you ain't going to do it. The Lord approached him and was about to kill him. Yeah. Which finally she says. I'm going to circumcise my, she circumcised him and said, now you are a bridegroom of blood to me. Now you're a bridegroom of blood to me. Yes. Now my, you are circumcised because clearly you ain't circumcising my son. Somebody got to circumcise him and you sitting here arguing with the Lord right now. Basically. Come on. You, this is what he was doing. He had to be. What is your name? What's supposed to tell these people when I get over here? I cannot go. Please send somebody else to which I got to denounce it. Because, again, you're making me angry now. You keep going back and forth. And I'm sitting here approaching you, telling you again to circumcise your son. In order to fulfill the requirements of the covenant, which required that they be circumcised. So and how, I'm ready to kill so you. how did the wife know that he was about to get killed? Because again, as I stated, she's probably dead. She's hearing this. That's how she knows to circumcise her son. She said it here. Ain't he telling him this at the bush? No. Oh, okay. This is them on their journey back to Egypt. Oh, okay. And he's talking to... And, he, and he's approached... It says he approached Moses one night on this on one of their stops. On their way to Egypt, God approached them. In a physical form. Basically, okay. he's a, he's talking to Moses. Moses is literally talking to the Lord. As we read this, this is why I don't want to be saying that because this is the movie stuff we have to get to further on down. But again, Moses is literally like the only person who has walked up to this mountain and talked to the Lord face to face. He is talking with God. So God rolled up on God rolled up on them when they went to Egypt and they and they having this conversation. And they're having this conversation. So the God voice must be. So everybody is hearing the conversation. And, and for me, it's just that on a, on a stop. They're just somewhere stopped, and they're just having this conversation. And she's again. I'm sure she's not too far off. So she's hearing that he's telling him, "Your son needs to be circumcised." That is a thing that again is a part I, I, of the tradition. I get it. I know what I know it's part of how it's supposed to be, but I'm just wondering do you know the why it has to be the like the uh, I do know. Okay, great. Let me write that down. Let me know. I had to cut the people's skin. <laughs> I did this the significance of the circumcision. We I, haven't gotten there yet. I mean, I really don't. I just thought about it. I really don't. I mean, okay. I think I know, but I really don't really care. I just figure like, okay, it's unclean or something like that or whatever. I don't okay. know, but 
You gonna tell me so? I am. I think. Okay. How long is it gonna take for us to get there? I'm getting ready to. Okay. He couldn't serve. <laughs> he couldn't serve as a deliverer of God's people without first fulfilling his obligations of the covenant of the agreement. Did he know the Did he know the obligations, or did he know that he had to decree decree all this before he'd be able to do God's work? Huh. You're talking about Moses, right? Yeah. So did he know these things? At, remember, he was an Egyptian. He grew up as an Egyptian. Yeah, exactly, which is why I'm saying he didn't know. And God, again, was trying to teach him and tell him about it. And, again, to which point, I'm ready, I'm just going to kill you. like Because he has the th- thought pattern of an Egyptian. Exactly. Like right now, you you you're being combated with me as to why your son needs to be circumcised. You you're thinking like them, and I'm telling you, like he has to be circumcised. So, anyways, my takeaway from that is that it's more dangerous to tangle with God than it is with the Pharaoh. But my question is again, why he just didn't do it? When Moses didn't tell Yes. Him. Like, why didn't you just do it? Why he just didn't tell him? Circum- why you just didn't circumcise your sons? What because I'm if he was an like, Egyptian, he just... didn't know nothing about it. So I understand that, like but you, you didn't said. know this burning bush just told you that you were about to go lead your people. I just, we just did all of this stuff. You get what I'm you saying? Man, you don't have to give because you said the same thing that I just said. But what I'm saying is. If all if you're if you just been convinced with that if you was just convinced with all that and all I'm sitting here saying is all right circumcise your son. But he didn't read it again, and we just said that. What if he didn't know that he had to circumcise? His son? But again, my question is, if she knew to do it, and she's not she, from there, but she not a, she's a, she the, she, she's a Midianite. He went to Midian to and run and wife? escape. That's where he got his wife from. She's not an Egyptian. But I'm but she almost like she a Hebrew, ain't she? Or whatever he is. She's a Midianite. So she already know the law of God. Cut it off. She, <laughs> she he she didn't know. know. But I'm saying is if she's there to hear all of this conversation, she knows to just circumcise. Exactly. I'm here. I know to just circumcise, which is why I'm sitting here saying that's why it's like that's what our purpose be half the time when you in a relationship with a man, because he don't clearly understand. Are you trying? To and tell I me know that? to oh. just do it. Like just do, just do what I tell you. Like what? what I don't understand what you're not getting. Just do it. Because it's not equating. It's not computing up here. And I have to go cut my son's penis, cut his skin off his <laughs> penis. Yes. Why? And that's when he probably like I don't. God, I don't know if I can do all that. Just like he didn't know if he could lead the people because he's stamming. He couldn't do this because of that. He couldn't go here the same way. He couldn't cut the skin off the baby. Well, thing. That's what just was my thing. Why the hell didn't he just do? That's the same thing that I, I. But I just been telling you the same thing for twenty minutes. We've been about to push. 
the same thing he was disrespectful. Again, I understood that because he stuttered. That's why I just kept no, saying. No, you can't make I, one excuse because I'm he got one saying, impairment. I'm not impairment. making an excuse. No, I'm just saying that thing. that part I understood. He like an Egyptian. But because this he part don't like describe specifically don't what the conversation was. Because I don't know that conversation. You just made up a whole one of I made, exactly. I had to make one up. got to understand the people cut the exactly that's why i had that's why i said i just had to make that one up so that's why i'm just here like why didn't he just because again it don't say it like the other one where it's like oh i stutter like but okay that's i get it after all that okay that's understandable you don't want to have to go speak when you stutter i understand that that's i get that but again if i'm sitting here just telling that's you that's just one thing that he that's why like, my hell he didn't told he just him do to go it. take the stick and do whatever he needed to do and he's still asking what if they don't this and what if they don't that no because we all going back to the same thing i said just he's he's standing in his own way Making excuses. Okay, well, yeah. Pharaoh didn't listen to Moses and Aaron when they first came to him because one. Because I would have said, You ain't got to listen to me, son. Well, no. I'm about to go outside and sh- I'm about to take this stick. Yeah, you ain't got to. Bam. You don't, you don't need to what? Because one, again, he had never heard of God. Of Israel before he had never heard. Yes, he's never heard of the. Who cares? That's I'm telling you again. The first reasoning as to why the Pharaoh didn't listen. You want me to listen to somebody who had never heard of before? Number two, because he didn't respect God because he he didn't know who he was. He didn't know who he was because he assumed that any God of some slaves must not be a powerful God. He must not be as worthy. Exactly. So y'all wouldn't be slaves. From that, I take away it's natural for people to reject you or your faith when they don't know God. So don't be surprised. Be persistent. And continue to tell people about God, trusting that eventually he going to soften their hearts and they not going to be so stubborn. Eventually, they're going to come too. There are a lot of people who, again, don't know and I don't understand what you're talking about and that's just you and I'm just, you know, it's just something. I don't call myself a Christian. I'm just religious and I'm just, it's, it's all of those things. Well, all I know is that God runs my life when I allow him to. Because most of the time we run in our own lives. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to do what's best for us or what suits us or what our flesh desire and our flesh likes and things of that nature. So, I mean, again, Moses was being an Egyptian. Like he was brought up to be instead of thinking about, okay, let me go learn these Hebrew laws. Let me let me see what he said. Let me let me listen to my elders until they could tell me about. Mm-hmm. Instead, I'm just gonna go stay in my own way. Well, another takeaway I got is you may be suffering because you're doing good in the evil world. Yeah. When Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh, it caused more oppression for the Hebrews, and they were simply doing what God directed them to do. So, don't just assume that. You lost God's favor, basically, and that that's why you suffering. It might just be like I said, cause you you doing good in evil place. You or you doing good and evil, and you have to make the distinction. 
Well, nah, as far as this situation is what I'm thinking of. Because it'd be a lot of times where, like, I was, again, because I've watched mostly YouTube. And the uh, girl, the lady, was Mrs. Kev on stage, she was saying, like, she remember working at some place. And she was like, and I usually get along with everybody. And, you know, I'm always a good employee and all that. And she got to some place and she was just like, and it just seemed like something was off, but I didn't know. Like, she was like, no, I just didn't understand, like, why they were so mean to me. I just figured they were just mean, you know, a bunch of mean girls, a petty girls, and, you know, stuff like that. And it wasn't until I basically became, you know, Mrs. Cave on stage and all that, that where she, um, somebody put a message, and you know, a comment under one of her posts saying, I'm sorry I didn't stick up for you when you worked at blah 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 place when you know like the races and such and such happened you know i didn't stick up for you and she was like it she's like it kind of you know made me cry because it was like it put a name to it because i didn't know what it was like she's like because i just couldn't understand why they was treating me like this and now i they were racist like it, it made sense and you know why i went and had such a hard time basically and again I was being nice to these people. I was doing my job. I was being good. And that's what I'm saying. She's suffering from for being just again, for being good and doing good and being black in this evil place, basically. She was suffering. And it's just like it didn't have nothing to do with the Lord. You get what I'm saying? It's not like, oh, the Lord is punishing me for this. And, and no. You're doing exactly what I told you to do. Mm -hmm. You at a place exactly where I told you to be. It's the people around you. So you, it, it's really nothing I could do about that. You just don't have to suffer a little bit until we move on. Until it's time to move on. It's going to build your character. You'll be okay. Uh, another takeaway for me was being caught in the middle. The four men were caught in the middle of all this because first they tried to get the people to meet their quotas and then they went to the Pharaoh and complained until finally they turned on Moses and cursed him. So from that I got when you feel like you're in the middle getting pressure from both sides and want to complain or turn on your boss or pastor or relative, turn to God and ask him what he's doing in your situation because it might be a greater purpose for, you know, what you're going through than you're aware of. Like I said, you don't know. They was just caught in the middle. Like, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm telling these people to meet the quotas. I'm doing what y'all telling me to do. That's not working. So we got to go talk to the Pharaoh because y'all not about to keep whipping us every day. And we is telling these people to meet the... It's not, it's not our fault. Come on here. We got to go talk to this man. Well, you know when you're dealing with other people, that if, I mean, because the, the other people like, we ain't talking... God ain't talking to us. All we know is we getting our ass beat. I understand. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> That's exactly what, you, you, what, what you I'm do. saying. That's how you know what I'm saying. If you apply pressure, people won't sell it. You that's just in today's world. You get a couple of people that they done so did something, catch one of them, ain't gonna tell it. Mm-hmm. Because I'm caught in the middle. Again, yeah. I'm the one of, you know, I'm, I'm the I, one I got caught. I'm not about to do all this time by myself. Caught in the middle of this situation. Yeah, exactly. I'm not about to do all this. But I'm not mm -hmm. about to go to jail. I'm not about to go down. I'm not about to lose my job. 
I'm not about to do anything by myself that I ain't know. And I ain't seen this man. He ain't came and told me that he was going to save our lives and get us out. And when? I probably can't get out the day before it whoop us tomorrow. No. Because it don't work exactly. like that. I have to show my miraculous, mighty, exactly. powerful but hand. In the meantime, them people like, man, you walking free. But we still getting smacked with this whip. And, and trying to uh, squeeze blood out of a turnip. Exactly. Trying to make bricks with no straw. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. He was like, nah, I'm tired of getting my ass beat. I got to go. Mm-hmm. I don't, Moses, you do what you need to do. When, come come knock on my door when God say you're ready. I'm going to have my stuff packed. That's understandable. But again, this right here is telling you. You got to turn to the Lord and ask him, is there something going on that I'm not aware of? Is this a greater purpose for this? Because I'm getting my ass beat every day and I didn't do nothing. I'm trying to figure out, Lord, is there a greater purpose to, to get my ass whooped every day? Something is going to happen, mm-hmm. right? Uh-huh. Something good going to come from this. Like, you, you got to ask those questions as opposed to turning and saying, may the Lord curse you for making us go out here and look stupid. And basically, yes, giving this man a reason to kill us now. Oh, Moses can say, listen, trust me, y'all. He coming. Might not be the day. Might not be the mom, but please believe. We people today not going to believe sight unseen. You know what I'm saying? And this is exactly why, as you just stated, he was being disrespectful, but sight unseen, Lord, all you did was tell me your name now. That's that's. But what I'm supposed to do with that. Again, again, I object because you already told, he didn't show we you the We object because we know who God is. That's why we object. It's not until we get to this part of the story where, yes, seeds are going to be parted and frogs is falling in heaps from out of the sky and none of that. Well, they got me with the, the boat. The- yes, I understand with the boat, but Moses was the only one. I mean, Noah was the only one survived this. I don't know how many people was aware of that story since Noah was the only one survived. You get what I'm saying? Him and his family. Yeah, he was my own plus, but he was the only one. You get what I'm saying? So by this time, by the Egyptians, that's what I'm saying. I'm not sure because he don't even know the circumcised his son. So I'm not sure they're even aware of mighty things. The pharaoh didn't know nothing about none of that either. So they both don't know nothing. They have no nothing. They don't have no history. Now I got to exactly. So since you don't know, let me show you. So I have to harden his heart because I got to show you. How else am I going to show you? Because if I do it just regularly, you're not going to believe as much. Because it's like, I, I, I see this all the time. You do this every day. Show me something. I, I, this is not no miracle. That's how that is. So anyway, as soon as Moses talked to the Pharaoh and he in turn increased the Hebrews workload, he ran to God and said, you ain't rescued nobody. That's what he did. Moses was looking for those rapid HIV test results that you talking about. He wasn't expecting more problems. Mm -hmm. But in James 1, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, it encouraged us to be happy when hardships come our way because your endurance gives a chance to grow. When your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So the takeaway, when God is at work, suffering, setbacks, and hardships may still occur because just know your problems develop patience 
and character by teaching you to trust God to do what's best for you. Another takeaway I got was that small problems need only small solutions, but big problems need God. When you got big problems, God is planning to intervene, basically, with his mighty power and show you all kinds of miracles. That's going to take your problems away. So basically, how big is your problems? Well... When the heat, small ones might seem they might. I don't know the small between small and big, but problems are problems. <laughs> no, they are definitely. If you sitting here talking about something, oh, I'm about to lose my job. Like, like again, if you were preparing and planning and prepping and that kind of stuff, like that ain't gonna be such a big deal because you're gonna be planning and prepping to find another damn job. But if you was losing the kidney. And you were sitting on a list somewhere, not knowing when you was going to get you another one. Yeah, that's the problem. Well, you have both problems. I lost my job. I'm about to lose a kidney, so I'm about to be homeless either way. So what do you want me to do? I mean, I'm just saying that there's, there's a level of problem. So, again, if you're looking for a kidney, that's a God problem, basically, is what I'm saying. You you got to wait for the, for the Lord to, to come and do that so anyways yeah when the hebrews no longer wanted to listen to moses because of what happened the first time i feel that's that i feel like that was my takeaway for preachers and pastors and the takeaway was don't focus on the results to be achieved obey god and keep bringing the people to god's word so basically, don't be sitting here looking for all the hallelujahs and the, yeah, ain't nobody listening to me. Ain't nobody, you get what I'm saying? Don't don't mm-hmm. look for that. Keep preaching. Don't look for the praise. Yes. The don't don't look for that. Don't uh, look to be paid yes. for the preacher. Well, you should if that's God's your full time job. If that's no, your full time job. If you're talking job, about on the spiritual level that he's supposed to be going up, you can't look. Yeah. No. If that's yeah, your full time no. job, if you, if you God, should be paid that's for now. that. If we talking about now, yeah, okay, that's fine. You get paid for everything else. You know, that's starting to get all the preachers on TV or make it a coin, whatever the case may be. We talking about back then, you're not looking for any gratification because, you know, if you're preaching the Lord's word, he's going to multiply or he's going to show and he's going to give you what you need because he cares about you preaching his word like you're supposed to be doing, like we're all supposed to be doing. Well, my takeaway from Moses having to go to the Pharaoh after his own people stopped listening to him was that anybody can obey the God when the task is easy and everybody behind you, but only those with persistent faith can obey God when the task seems impossible. Mm-hmm. Another takeaway I got is from when God told Moses he would make him seem like a God to Pharaoh. That was the reason that Pharaoh ain't want to listen to Moses too. That, I guess that's reason number three. Because Pharaoh was to be, you know, considered to be a god. So it was important that he recognized Moses was one of his peers. And he deserved to be listened to, too. But his refusal to do so showed that he felt Moses was inferior to him. And that, that made him think, you know. He did what a pharaoh, what an Egyptian pharaoh would do to anybody that's not on his level. That don't know nothing about his history. Well. Yes. Just 
what the Germans did to the whole, what Hitler did to the whole world. Ain't none of y'all good enough to be on this earth, so I'm about to wipe all you all out, because I am the greatest. Mm -hmm. I'm better than God, and I'm about to show Mm y'all. I'm about to tear down worlds, nations, people, governments, all that. Mm -hmm. We're about to go to war. Mm-hmm. And that's what made me think of uh that lady, Michelle Alexander. She got this book called The New Jim Crow or something like it's Yeah, I think it's called like The New Jim Crow, The Mass Incarceration the Age of uh, Color Blindness. And you know, she was giving this speech where she was talking about it. And that's like basically what she did. She was supposed to be helping, you know, um, the felons, basically. Mm-hmm. She was starting a program for felons and... She was. She went to the neighborhood to see if she could find somebody who she could basically use as the face of her program. Somebody that's a felon. Well, where was she at? She should have called me. <laughs> yeah, she could use my face. I got some stories to tell. Where you been? <laughs> well, she was looking for a face, and uh, a boy had came, you know, to talk to her, and she was like, and he like had a stack of papers of all of his arrests and. All the people who arrested him, their names and they like he had all the information. And she's like, oh, you know, we good. We got somebody. And she was like, once we finally finished talking, I said, um, you know, do you have a record? And he was like, oh, oh, yeah, I'm, I, I'm a felon. She was like, right then and there, basically, I, I can't use him. I, I can't use him now because the minute I put him up on the stand, that's all they're going to talk about. And that's all they're going to say. And that's all they're going to bring up. Aren't you a felon? But he, and he was trying to explain to me, no, no, no. But I, I took the deal. I just took the deal. Like, you know, they told me if I take the deal, I can go home and da, 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 da. Like, you know, she was like, but he was explaining it to me. But mm-hmm. again, I can't use him. Because again, that is all they're going to focus on once I put him on the stand. So cut to, she on TV in the neighborhood future tense and the boy sees her on tv she says after it's over with he comes in with this pot a plant and he shoves it in my stomach and says you know i'm so oh sorry before all of that once she says i can't use you he rips all the papers up throw them in her face and he says you're no better than the cops because you're not listening to me either mm-hmm. so uh cut to when he sees her and she gives him the pot you know he give her the pot and all that she um he give her the pot he says i'm sorry you know that uh i didn't listen to you that day in your office because he see that basically she's out here really trying to help he was like i'm sorry i didn't listen to you and i didn't believe you she's like he gives me the pot and then he take off and then he gets into this uh beat up car you know, and you get, you know, and take off. And she's like, and I run off looking for him, but I, I couldn't find him. So anyway, he give her the pot because, again, he living in the grandmother basement. Because he's a felon, they won't give him, he can't get a job. He can't get food stamps because he's a felon. He can't get help. He can't get anything because what he's considered a felon. That he living? I want to say this was Chicago. I want to say this yeah. is Chicago. Yeah. So, um... They eventually have this big bust that happens in Chicago with the police department where they find all these corrupt police officers. Uh She says, and guess who the very first name is? The name he told me. 
the person who locked him up and mm-hmm. told him to take the deal and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. She said, and that's when I realized I wasn't no better than them because mm-hmm. I didn't listen to his story mm-hmm. and I didn't believe him because mm-hmm. I could use him. And I was like, that's the, that's exactly what that was. Like, you felt that he was inferior just because mm-hmm. he was considered a felon. When he's sitting here telling you, before oh, he left her office that day, though, he also told her good luck on finding anybody in our neighborhood who they haven't gotten to. She was like, and that's when I realized I wasn't no better because I was trying to, I didn't think of how come we couldn't find anybody. She said that never occurred to me to say, why can't we find anybody in this neighborhood to use? Like, why? Because again, once the thing came out, they were literally going into these kids' neighborhoods, beating these kids up, putting drugs on them, and telling them to take deals. So basically, everybody in this neighborhood can't do nothing because everybody in this neighborhood is now considered a felon. Y'all can't get jobs. You can't. You don't qualify for food stamps. You can't. So what else you, you going to do? Well, so what else you going to do? So go, what, actually go out. So and what do else what are you going to do? Right. Thank you. So what else are you going to do? Eventually turn to crime. So the magicians was able to duplicate some of Moses' miracles, right? And the takeaway for me was, if the magicians were so powerful, how come they didn't reverse the plagues, but they added to them? I don't know how they were so vicious. Why they couldn't disapprove everything that God has already done. I mean, meaning like, okay, so we about to wipe Moses out. We about to, you know, he got a, a stick and a snake. <laughs> what I'm saying is, when it came to the the snakes and the the flies mm-hmm. and all those type of things, instead of taking those plagues away, they just added to. Right. They just did the same Meaning, thing. I can show. I can do this, anything he could do. I can do the same thing. So again, exactly. But for me, that was my take because that's what Satan does. Satan uses trickery and illusions and I, to make oh, you yeah. think he's powerful like God, but he really not. That's why he had to go back. Untouchable. That's why the Pharaoh had to go back to Moses and earn and be like, go to God and ask him to take this away. That's eventually because after four of those plays, he was like, yes. Okay, Moses, okay, or I'm going to let y'all go to the Lord and do what y'all need to do. But just please tell the Lord, take this stuff away from here. Mm-hmm. This, this is all right, enough all right. here. He's like, he, it's he enough wanted, of this right, now. I'm, I'm going to get y'all. I'm going to get y'all all the way out of the way. Basically, and he, he knows just he's not. imitates God and he lead people astray, basically. He's not God. He only allowed to do what God let him do. Right. That's why you can't rely on miracles to help you, though. That's why you can't rely on big, mighty things to be like, oh, yeah, there is a God. Because sometimes that ain't God. That's what the Pharaoh did. Once the Pharaoh saw that all his magicians were doing the same thing, it was just like, well, he can't be no, he ain't no great God because they did did the same thing. Who is, again, the Pharaoh don't know anything about God's history. So he like, I'm not impressed. That's basically what's that. I'm not impressed by y'all, God. Show mm-hmm. me something. He wasn't impressed until he killed his kid. That's when he was impressed. Well, basically, that's when he's going to be. Well, he's, even right. then, he ain't already be impressed. Because then it's just, get out. You and y'all got, got to get out of here. Because, right. yes, I still want to be most powerful thing. And I still, y'all just got to go. 
Right. Oh, Lord, see again, we're getting too far ahead. That's in my next stuff. And uh, yes, okay. We we getting, yeah, okay. And stop looking forward, again, like I said, those big miracles. Because when you ignore them little ones, those be God. Especially in them little everyday miracles that you woke up this morning yes, and stuff like your that. Yeah, you you're still in your head. right mind. Yes. And even part of it, you still good. Mm-hmm. You can still do some things that people six feet under can't do. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> and even when you ask God for what you want, like the Pharaoh did, because he asked Moses to do the miracle, and when he did, he still ain't believed God. When the Nets came, the people was like, this is the very finger of God, and he still refused to believe. He still was like, no. Nah. he wasn't impressed. Well, again, they was like, we can't perform this miracle. This this not us. Right, and he still wasn't impressed. Well, his stubbornness let people suffer. It's right. basically all these people suffer. Yeah, everybody because suffered. Because... He refused to see exactly. what was right in front of his face. Like no, these people are said, telling you. I don't believe it. I don't care. Well, for me, the tell is that basically stubbornness is basically you being self-censored and unwilling to compromise. And it blinds you to the truth. And until that person chooses to get rid of that self-centeredness and all that stuff, they're going to keep being stubborn. And basically, you need to expect to live a life parallel to Pharaoh. Amen. So, Pharaoh eventually tried to get Moses to compromise. And it's like, yeah. um, Yeah, that's a real hoop to me, basically. Because how you going to get And you want me, now you want to compromise. You don't want to listen to me at all. And now you want me to compromise with you. Right. And so, the takeaway is that, yeah, some people probably going to urge you to compromise. And obey God partially, but yes, half measurements ain't gonna furnish your house or cover your ass. Basically, you can't halfway. Don't close it. Yes, you All got I to be fully is, committed. If you're gonna be hard, if you're gonna do what you're gonna do, regardless of what God say, whether you know Him or not, that's how most of us are anyway. We gonna. If you determine, you know God told you not to go across the street, but you went across the street anyway and something happened, you just going to determine to do what you want to do anyway. 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 Well, yes. God gave Pharaoh a bunch of warnings, basically. Like, you, just, God gave him a bunch of warnings before he finally said, okay, have it your way. Right. So, Harden so look what happened. His whole, basically. his whole group of people that he... Uh, is ruling over, probably is dead, decapitated, shriveled up, ate up, look a mess. Before he, and he had to go to the lowest of the low before he was like, all right, I give up. Well, my takeaway from that is when you continuously ignore God's voice, eventually you're not going to be able to hear it at all. Amen. Because although it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart, he really didn't. Because he gave him nine chances for real, for real, to change his attitude. Instead, God simply just confirmed to Moses that Pharaoh has freely chosen to live a life that is resistant of me. He didn't, again, like I said, he didn't accept God for y'all to stay here. Well, okay, y'all just done. I'm going to just let y'all go ahead and take y'all three-day journey and y'all can come on back. No, this is after, after this, y'all got to get the hell out of here. You, y'all can't never come back here again. I don't want that man nowhere around me. I'm freely choosing to, yes. I don't want 
I don't want to know who this man is. I don't want to. So basically, don't wait until the right moment to turn to God. Do it now while you still got a chance. Because like he said again, I'm going to kill your firstborn son. And then he said it, He said that in chapter 4. And then he said it again in chapter 11. Where we left off that he, when he warned them. And Pharaoh promised to let the Hebrews go. But immediately broke his promise right after bringing more trouble to Egypt. And from that I took away. We do more damage to ourselves and others by pretending to repent or change. And don't mean it. That man refused to believe anybody was greater than he was. And that's why all them plagues came. Because he wanted that free labor, basically. He, he wasn't trying to get rid of these slaves either. That's another thing. You want me to get rid of my free labor? Uh, yeah, no, nah, I'm not about to do that. Nothing was going to change that man's mind. Well, not just yet anyways. Again, you know, like I said, once we get to that, yeah, that final play, he eventually going to change his mind. And the, the significance of the plagues is basically, like I said, uh, because the Egyptians, because of the Egyptian gods. Uh, one of the Egyptian gods is, I think it's called Hapi, mm -hmm. the god of the Nile River. Who, uh, yeah, couldn't prevent the waters from turning to blood. And, um, Amon Ray, the sun god, the chief of the Egyptian gods, couldn't stop darkness from covering the land for three days. And Hathor, the cow goddess, couldn't stop the livestock from dying. Like, basically, each plague that God hit them with was a hit at one of the gods that they loved and that they represented and that they worshipped. Uh, never take away I got was God sees us in terms of what we going to become and not just what we are right now. Moses told Pharaoh that God made a distinction between uh, Egypt and Israel because the Hebrews at the time, they were slaves and I'm sure they thought, you know, the difference was free and slave. That was just the difference. It, it wasn't until the Exodus when God going to teach them, you know, the laws, the principles, the values and all that different type of stuff. So how to live in a society. Basically. So regardless, he don't see the Israel as just slaves. He sees them as his very own people who one day gonna worship him for generations. So again, what you see and what you are right now, that's not what the Lord see. And that's not what how he so again when he puts something in your path, it's cause he knows this ain't what you are right now. This ain't who you're going to be. Mm -hmm. This is going to be something much more greater for you. So that's pretty much all I got. Yes, I ain't got nothing else. I ain't got nothing. Yeah, that's pretty much all I got. Except for, yeah, I'm still trying to figure out what they call Moses' as a baby. I still want to know why they got to cut the baby's Get off the baby's penis. That's what I want to know. Okay, well, as we continue on throughout the season, I'm going to answer that. I did tell her I was going to answer that, but I lied. Yeah, so <laughs> I just wanted to keep it going. So stay tuned next week for um part two, not part two, episode three of this, the second part of the Exodus story because, yeah, Exodus is pretty much... 
Exodus, Leviticus, all, all of that is the story of Exodus. So, wow. yeah, we got some ways to go, but stay yeah, tuned we'll next week. Together. Yes. That concludes this episode of 2020 Bible Stories. Stay tuned next week for a new episode. Thank you.